0: Okay, so today's daf is daf bet in shkalim. We're starting the Masechet shkalim, just a little bit of an intro. I mean, we're familiar with the idea of machatzit shekel, of course, from the minhag of machatzit shekel that we give uh, around uh, Purim time, and also just from the Torah telling us in parashat kitisab at the half shekel. So, most of what this Masechet is going to talk about is related to this mitzvah of uh, machatzita shekel and, and, things re- and things connected to the process of funding. The uh, yearly expenses of the Beta HaMikdash, which was uh, communally done. Now, what makes Masechet Shkalim uh, unique from among other Masechetot that are studied in the Yomi, and really it's the only one like this, is that it is not Talmud Bavli that we are learning, but it is Talmud Yerushalmi. And I don't want to give too long of an introduction because then the introduction becomes a class. But uh, just to give a sense that the, the the Mishnah is the same, there was only one Mishnah was published around the year 200 in the non-Jewish calendar uh, by Rabbi Nasi. We don't know the years exactly, but we're saying you know roughly so. And then uh, about a, a within a century of that, there was already something called Talmud, Talmud Yerushalmi which was published by the Jews who lived in Israel. Now, that was like, uh, that was, the so it was published much earlier than the Talmud Bavli, because the Talmud Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud that we normally learn, was published around the year 500. It was a more uh, extensive, uh, you know, period of editing and development. So, the, in general, the Talmud Bavli is longer then the Talmud Yerushalmi, what the Talmud is, is of course the Gemara, meaning the Gemara is different, not the Mishnayot. The Mishnayot are always the same, but the, the Yerushalmi and Bavli mostly overlap. On most Mesechot there are both, on some there are only Yerushalmi and on some there are only Bavli. Uh, I don't want to go too much into the detail, but basically because Yerushalmi was written earlier than the Bavli and quicker, so it's not as smoothly edited, it's uh, much choppier. And it also uh, d- speaks a different dialect of Aramaic than the Bavli, so it's harder to follow for two reasons: the language uh, is different, and the lang- and the style is less smooth. It's also less studied, and the reason for that is because since the Talmud Bavli was later, it kind of was considered to incorporate everything from the Talmud Yerushalmi, and we usually say that Alachah follows the later. Chachami. A lot of times when we learn Talmud Bavli, it says, oh, Ula came from Israel and he said such and such in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan was actually the editor of the Talmud Yerushalmi. So they would, that, so the, they assume that the Talmud Bavli kind of absorbed and sifted through everything in the Talmud Yerushalmi. And therefore the halakha generally follows the Talmud Bavli. There are certain halakhot that we learn from the Talmud Yerushalmi that are practiced today. For example, very, the, very uh, uh, apropos, the fact that we don't eat matzah in Pesach. It's only written in the Talmud Yerushalmi. It's not written in the Talmud Bavli. So, uh, so the uh, so the Talmud Yerushalmi is very valuable, but I think it was neglected, and because of that, there's not much. Uh, there's not many mifrashim. So when you look at them, Mifar- I, I shouldn't say there's not many mifrashim. There's too many mifrashim. So because of that, the, the Rishonim didn't really write much on the Talmud Yerushalmi. So there's no Rashi. There's no Tosafot, Although we do have Rashi, oftentimes will quote the Yerushalmi in his commentary in the Bavli, or Tosafot will quote it. But they don't have a running commentary on the Talmud Shalmi. And so the the commentaries that came, came much later. And so you have a combination of a perfect storm where you have later commentaries that aren't really basing themselves on earlier commentaries. And you have a text that is a different dialect, much choppier, much uh, much more difficult to decipher. So what ends up happening is you have a million opinions about what the text means in Yehoshalmi, much, much more than you do in Bavli. You will have a machloket between Rashi and Tosafot and the Bavli about what a certain step in the Gemara means, or what certain terms mean, or what the conclusion is, but you don't have as widely divergent uh, explanations, interpretations, as you will find in Yehoshalmi. In Yehoshalmi, you will literally find, on the same line, one person says it's a question, one person says it's an answer, one person saying, says it's saying yes, one person says it's saying no, literally. Like, they'll have the opposite opposite interpretation of the same line. So to the point that I wanted to see how the art scroll uh, uh, handled it. So I looked and they made an art scroll, That's not very helpful. It's like just as bad as the, because it has on the bottom variant A, variant B, variant C, because there's so many different interpretations of the same words. It's not different words necessarily. Sometimes there are different Manuscripts, but I'm saying within the same, you can, you can you know, see a, so many different interpretations. You don't have that in the Bavli because already the early Rishonim and the Ge'onim established a certain tradition of how to read the text. Within that, there are differences, but they're not as widely divergent as what we have uh, in, in the Rishonim. And so that's one of the challenges in the Rishonim. Now, the, the, we have here different commentaries. These, the Pene Moshe and the Korban Haida are the commentaries that you usually have on... Um, on uh, Talmud Yerushalmi. Here you also have the, the, the Taklin Chaditin, who is a Talmud of the Grah, actually, and the Mishnat Eliyah, which is based also on the Grah, on the Vilna Gaon, his uh, readings of the, uh, uh, of the Yerushalmi. So, you know, it's, it just it doesn't give you the same clarity uh, as you have when you have Rashi and Tosafot and the Rishonim. That's all. But we will see that, uh, we'll be able to follow it and in a way, it's easier because it jumps from uh, t- topic to topic pretty quickly. There's no long drawn out sugyot and, and long drawn out discussions in Yerushalmi ever. Um, they they never go more than a few lines for for the most part. So we say here the because I I, I don't know why they decided to put the why they decided to put one masechet of Talmud Yerushalmi in the, the Yomi. There's no yeah, Bible I a, I th- like yeah, I think because they already had all of Seder Mo'ed. They just said, you know, we already have mm-hmm. all of Seder Mo'ed, we might as well finish it. Just like at the end of Seder Kodashim. They were Masechtot that don't have any Gemara. We read the Mishnayot, kin, you know, Kinim. Uh, yeah, the, that's what they wanted to fill the space so that they could sell it. Really? I want it to be done, the but maybe, yeah. you know, <laughs> could be. But you know there is a daf yomi of Yerushalmi. It takes less time because the Yerushalmi is shorter, but uh, it, and it doesn't have Kodashim. So, but there are, but yeah, there are, It also has Zraim. All of all of said Raim, they have any Yerushalmi, meaning that because it was an eretz Israel, so they have masachet kilayim, masachet Ola, masachet demai, all these masachto. They have masachet peah. All the things in the Mishnah it has uh, in Zraim. We only have Bachot in in, in in Talmud Bavli. But anyway, we, so we learned it. I, I always thought the reason why they incorporated it in Daf Yomi was just because since we're doing all of Seyedir Moed anyway, so we might as well finish the Seyedir Moed, but who knows? Who knows? Anyway, on the first day of Adar, so they would announce about the Shkalim. In other words, they would tell people to bring their al Shekel for that year, but had to collect it. As we're going to see, they had to collect it before the 1st of Nisan, because starting on the 1st of Nisan, they had to be using the new money. So they weren't allowed to use the old money anymore. It expired, so to speak. So they, uh, so they needed new money. They also would announce for everybody to pay attention to the kilayim to remove any kilaim that had begun to uh, grow um, in the uh, uh, so there wouldn't be any uh, problems of mixed diverse seeds and planting and things like that because since now the spring was coming around the beginning of Adar spring is coming so the so the concern was that there would be kilaim growing and the mitzvah you have to uproot the kilaim. you're not allowed to leave it there so they would tell the people to start be vigilant about that. And on the 15th of Adar, you, you, the number one thing it mentions is we read the Megillah in the walled cities. We know that, right? But that doesn't directly relate to Shkalim at all. Neither does anything else that it's about to say, really. But um, it says that, what do we do in the in Adar? So we, we for, in addition to reading the Megillah, we have to fix up the roads, uh, vet rechovot. Now we understand why Doctor Brawl has all this uh, construction going on in Middle Neck Road. But it's a little late because it's not that. Yeah, it should be from last <laughs> and probably from a hundred years ago. The LIE has been for, been f- keeping this mitzvah for uh, the past hundred years. Right? And vet So they have to fix up the streets and the roads, and they have to fi- and these and the uh, also the uh, rechovot also really means the uh, it doesn't mean the streets. It means the uh, like the the uh, marketplace area. You know, so they they had to clean it up because from the wintry season. In. So it ends up, you know, becoming ruined. and there's all kinds of damage and mud and whatever in the streets. With mikvot amayim, they have to now clean out the mikvot because, of course, again, because of the the um, the winter time. So the there's all kinds of mud and other things in the uh, in the mikvot. And they take care of all kinds of other communal needs as we're coming into the uh, as we're coming into the uh, springtime. We're coming into uh, Pesach and uh they had to go make sure that all of the kvarot were still uh signified all of the graves because they used to use limestone to uh, use the uh, you know for the headstones. not like we have like stone that's you know weathers any storm, and so since it was it was something that could waste away. So they were concerned that because of the rainy season, people's graves would basically be washed away, more or less. Now, why was that so important? Not for sentimental reasons like today. We think of it as a sentimental reason that we want to have a uh, headstone on a grave uh, and we have an emotional feeling about that. But back then, it was mainly a halachic reason because since they had kohanim going by or they had tarot, they had truma, they had this, they didn't want it to end up passing over an area that had a grave because it would come So they had to make very clear uh, where these uh, Where these things were, and the re- again the reason is because of the season basically because since this was following the rainy season, so this was the time where they would have to worry about that, and finally in uh, and they would go out for the kilayim, meaning at that point they would go to inspect and see if there were diverse seeds growing in different places that they needed to uproot and take care of these are all happening in the month of Adar. and obviously the main reason why the Mishnah is, is here is to talk about the shkalim. but these other mitzvot were also being done just like a kind of a spring cleaning sort of idea in other words like starting the year fresh like there's a lot of things we do you know even in the synagogue that we do well we relate it to Pesach in a sort of a general way oh yeah we're cleaning The Talito, we're cleaning the Sifrei Torah, things like that. But no, everyone knows there's no chametz on there. I think it really has to do with starting the year new and starting, you know, you know, the the renewal of the year. It's a spring cleaning. It's a it's a Persian New Year. But there's a natural. It's not just a Persian New Year. All all societies a new year really. Is springtime, spring so it's like even the Torah's first month of the year is springtime. So, uh, you know, so I think that that's that's part of the concept and and, and the the new the renewal of the year. So the Gemara says, "Why did they do it on the first of Adar?" It was so that they would be able to all bring their shkalim in time, and they would be able to take from the new shkalim. Uh, from at its proper time, which is really the first of Nisan. Starting the first of Nisan, you have to begin with the new Shkalim. So they gave everybody a month. Now, what do we do today that symbolizes that? We read Parashat Shkalim. Parashat Shkalim, we read honor around uh, the Rosh Chodesh Adar, because it's also the announcement to the people bring the Shkalim. That's the idea. Now, Umar Rebishmo. Now, here, Mar in Yushalmi means Amar, it's for short okay, so the, remember it's a different dialect, it's a different language, so it's not a person like in bavli you know it's it's actually a, it's, he said okay so it was, he said that the uh, that the Lishka. Is like the beginning. What does that mean? That's a very vague thing, meaning that, that just like they did in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, they started with the new money and the new funds on the first of Nisan, obviously, because that was when they first opened the Bethemagdash, Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So the same every for the rest of you uh, of time. Right? So the Pshat of that is, and a lot of times I'm just gonna tell you what the Pshat is because if I tell you what the commentaries are, we'll be here for on one line from now until the next the next day, because like I told you, the number of variations. And you will the commentaries is just like enormous. It's it's it's, it's emor- enormous. So the pshat is what he means is they started using the new funds, obviously that they collected on the first of Nisan because that was when they opened the uh, the Mishkan. So so too for all time that that's what should be done. That they start using the new money like the first time that they did it. Okay, now vitane Allah, and as we say, and we learned about that mishkan. That on that day, they took the truma, they took the uh, the donations on the very day that they opened the mishkan. Now, trumata th- lishkan now, doesn't necessarily mean that they collected the actual money that day. It could also just mean that they took out the money in order to use it. As we're going to learn, in addition to collecting a large amount of money, periodically they would separate out the money for the next uh, season that they were going to use from that collected money. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily mean they have to collect the money on the first of Nissan. It means that they take it out in order to begin using the new money for the new year. If you think about it, sort of like a tax concept that, um, that, you know, whatever money you make in a certain year is taxed that year, right? So whatever money comes in for the new year, the, the, this Nissan, starting this Nissan, they have to use Money that came in this year. They can't use money from the previous year. That's, a, that's, a, that's what the Torah says. It has to be in new money. Now, what they would do is they would deconsecrate... We're going to learn. They would deconsecrate the old money. They would reconsecrate... They, they would find a way to use the old money too, but technically it had to be renewed every year. It's not yeah, supposed I mean, to be. Right. Yeah. It's going to, about, it's going to talk about where they get it from. Okay? So now, Rebita V... Rabbi o- Yosheia, they don't they don't bother to say uh, the word Amar. They just say a list of names and only say the last one. In Yosheia, I mean, a lot of times it does that. So now Rabbi Tavi, Rabbi Yosheia. So Rabbi Tavi said in the name of Rabbi Yosheia, B'shem Kahana, in the name of Kahana, or it should be it might be Rav Kahana, I don't know, but it says Ne'markan Hodshei. It says over here, Chodshei. Now he's talking about, there were two places where it uses the word Chodshei. It says that when it talks about Nisan being the first of Chodshei the first of the month of the year's Nisan, that's what Hashem said to Moshe and Aaron and Mitzrayim. It also says, It also says later Chodshei. Chodshei when it talks about Olat Chodesh Lechotche Shanah. what we read on Rosh Chodesh. Each month, you say, you know, you have to bring the Korban of uh, Rosh Chodesh, for all the months of the year. Ma Monin Av Just like the Chodsheh, when it was talking about to Moshe and Aaron, it meant start counting from the month of Nisan, the first of the year, for all of the months of the year should be in Nisan. So too, when it said Lechotche Ashana, when it was talking about the Korbanot, and it meant that you should have you should have a korban for each one of the months of the year. It's talking about beginning from Nisan with the new right? So the word lechodshei signifies it should be from Nisan. It's a shava basically he's making. He's saying lechodshei in the case of uh, of shkalim to the lechodshei in the case of the calendar that was told to Moshe and Aaron, okay? Now, the, the, so uh, that's elu right? So now, Amar Rabbi Yonah, Rabbi Yonah said, Shavak Rabbi Tavi You know, Rabbi Tavi skipped to the middle of that Brahta. He forgot to say the beginning of the Brahtah. So if a person's reading that out of context, they're not gonna know what the man is talking about. Dalken, you can't do that. You have to look at the whole thing. Okay? Zot olat This is the whole Brighth. In other words, he's going back to the beginning of the Brahdah. Okay. Now the, the uh, if you look, what's it say here? One second. It looks like a. Uh, yeah, Delochen, I should say not dalke because it's dalke meaning you shouldn't do it, right? So that's that's what he means. Don't do that. You have to read the whole brayta. Zot olat chodesh b'chodesh. It says zot olat chodesh b'chodesh when it's talking about the korban, the the monthly korban of rosh chodesh, right? Each month you bring a Rosh Chodesh Kobat. Maybe you'll think that you have to bring in new money for every Chodesh. Like, okay, each month we get up and say, okay, who's going to pay, who's going to contribute for the Rosh Chodesh offering of the coming month? Like, now we'll, we'll breakfast. right, like the breakfast fund, exactly, right? So we collect, and then by the next month we have it, right? Talmud Omar In its month for all the months, meaning you just have to do it one time, you do one fundraiser for all of the, the months, okay? You do it in one month for the, all the months. Maybe that means you could just pick a month, whichever month is the best one for fundraising, you know? Uh, pick that one. It says, Now, this is where Rabbi Tavi was quoting from. This is the end of the Breitah, right? It says in two places, the word, what is it? Ma in just like the Khoche that it said with regard to when Moshe and Aaron were being addressed right? And they were told this is going to be the first of the months for you for all the months of the year we was talking about Nisan in other words he's just giving you the context right? And Rabbi Tavi just quoted a portion of the B'aita he's giving you the whole context of the B'aita that basically it was talking about the korban, collecting the money for the korbanot of monthly, uh, the monthly korbanot of Rosh Chodesh and the Musafin and of course that's the same fund covered all of the regular operations of the Beta HaMikdash all of the communal sacrifices including for the Rosh Chodesh including for the holidays Including for the daily, so um, so it's, he's saying you would think that you have to do it every month. No, just one per year. And how do we know that one per year is Nissan? Oh, that's the Gzera Shavah from when Hashem said to Moshe and Aaron, "This is going to be the first month of the year for you." And where, you know, it says here, So you see that you do it in Nissan for the beginning of the year for the whole year. Okay, What does it mean, Mashmein, in the Mishnah when it says Mashmein? We we make. L- Known I mean, so it's like to make people hear, right? What does it mean? So it says, it means that we go and we tell, we announce, we make an announcement about the Shkalim. And like I mentioned before, the way that we do that nowadays, we commemorate that, is by parashat that we read, okay? Right? Or so that's that's very uh, that's the Aramaic of uh, uh of Jerusalem, that's the Ushalmi Aramaic, right? It's similar. If you look in midrash, if you ever read midrashim at all, it's a much more similar uh, uh, dialect to the midrash um, than um, than to the Talmud Bavli, which is a little bit more Hebraized, I think, right? But, but anyway, the language was Hebrew, wasn't Aramaic? No, they also spoke Aramaic. They also sp- they spoke Aramaic since they came back from Galut Bavail. Okay. Yeah, th- because they picked it up in Bavel and have like a mix. They had like a Yiddish, okay. you know. They had like a, a mix of uh, of Aramaic and Hebrew. Yeah. But Aramaic itself is a sister language to Hebrew. You know, Hebrew and Arabic and Aramaic are very, very similar languages to one another. They're, they're sister languages, very similar, a lot of words similar across the three languages. So, so it says, And that's actually talking about how they were collecting the shkalim. So it says, They put out a voice, I meaning they announced. What it means is they announced, means to announce. I mean, that's what it means today too when we say, means to announce something. They would announce the shkalim. You know, it's funny because they used to call the Jerusalem Talmud the Palestinian Talmud, but then that became politically incorrect, you know, like around, 19, you know, like I'm saying, if you look like a hundred years ago and say, oh, dictionary of the Palestinian Talmud, nobody would call it that now because you would think, you would think that the people on the West Bank are... Uh, uh, and, so and and and, and Aza, gonna, nice. yeah, it's, 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 they're the ones learning. Anyway, <laughs> Taman and We learned over there. <laughs> ben Adar Adar Sheni. Ela Mikram This is a Mishnah from Masechet Megilah, right from the beginning. So it says, "There's nothing. There's no difference between Adar Rishon and Adar Sheni, except for Mikram Megilah reading the Megillah and giving Matanot Levionim. In other words, the difference between Rishon and Sheni of of, of Adar is that we don't do. Purim uh, twice, we only do it once, right? The, the, we do it in the second one, right? Rabbi Simon, There's also another difference, which is we don't announce for the Shkalim two times, we only announce for Shkalim one time. And we don't announce about the kilaim. We don't, we don't have to announce and go searching after the mixed seeds in the different fields twice. We do it the later month because it's closer to the spring because that's usually why we have a Shanameh If we're, it's because this, the, the season is late. So, you know, because the, meaning spring is arriving late. That's why we usually, uh, why we usually delay the year. So we, so we, you know, we wouldn't have to go out twice. Rav b'shem Rabbi Chia Rabbah. Uh, so these are all. And sometimes you, it just gives you a list of rabbis. Okay, that without saying, um, uh, you know, this one said in the name of this, in the name that just says their names. Rabbi Chelbo, Rav Rav. Okay, all of them b'shem Rabbi Chia Raba, and then Rabbi Chia the Great. Hakol bi zman This line really belongs on the next Talmud, the source right? Is the last one? What? The source is the last one. Uh, yeah, the source is the last one. Yeah, it's, it would be like in the Gemara Talmud Bavli where it says so and so said. You know, Amar Reb Amar Shmuel, Amar, 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 Amar. So the last one is the original source. So here it just says the Amar or Bishem on the last one. And that just gives a list of rabbis. It doesn't say the word Amar as much. It's more economical in that way. Like I said, it's very choppy. Now, but the point is that this line actually doesn't really belong here because it's going to be, it's going to come back later, but it means that it's going to revisit it on the second Amud. But basically it's saying that if even the people in the big cities, if they read on the 14th of Avadah, read the Megillah, they would also fulfill the mitzvah. But the Gemara is going to come back to that. So let's leave that for now. Okay, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi said, he's really going back on what was just said about how we only announce about the Shkalim in Adar Shani when, when it's a two, two Adars. We don't, we don't do it in Adar Rishon. Only Adar Shani. He says, V'yeot. V'yeot means it makes sense, right? It makes sense that we do that. Why? Because, right? Is It wasn't the whole reason why they have the announcement in Adar so people will bring the Shkalim at the right time. Im b'adar rishon. Notice it doesn't say ata omer It says at amar. So it's very uh, that's the, that's the Aramaic style, right? If you say b'adar rishon ad kadun it he says that there's still left in the year sixty days right? There's still ad kadun it There still is in the year sixty days, meaning it's too long, right? We know if you give somebody something to do and there's too long to do it, they're going to forget. Right? It's true. You always try to tell a person with a deadline that's reasonably near. So they will remember. Because if you tell a person, oh, I need this in three months, you're gonna come back, they're gonna forget about it. They're gonna say, Oh, I'll, I have three months to do it, I'll put it on the back burner. Then you're gonna come to them two weeks before they say they don't know you know they don't know what happened. So it says, Two months is too long. If, if the goal is that everyone should bring their shkalim on time before the first of Nisan, so tell them the first of Sheni. That's makes sense. He's just explaining why. Why we only why don't we give people sixty days? Because if you give people sixty days, it's too much time. They will forget. Right? We want them to get it on time. And similarly, why do we only go checking out the kilayim to see if there are any mixed seeds growing in Adarshini? Because we want to wait for a time that you can actually tell, right? Until that point, they're still dakikin. They're till, still too little. In other words, the whole reason why you have, like I said, a you have a, a, a double Adar uh, is because the season is coming later, which means that the plants haven't grown yet, which means that if you go out now and look, you're not going to see anything if you go on Adar Rishon and look. There's no point in going to look at that time. You got to go look in Adar where You'll be able to see something that's worth uh, intervening on. Right? So Rabbi Chizkiah right. Rabbi Chizkiya said, it says in our version, right? It says, and I think that that's what they, a lot of the Farshim like that one, right? It says they should really, in Bavel we should start telling the Babylonians to bring their Shkalim starting in the wintertime. Meaning, we should we shouldn't wait till Adar Sheni or even Adar Rishon. Because if the goal is that they get their Shkalim to the Beit HaMikdash by Nisan, if you go to the people in Bavel, meaning Khutzar, Chutz the people are collecting, but during the time of the Beit HaMikdash, everyone, even if they lived outside of Israel, they were supposed to give the Shekel, it's going to take time to get there. If you're collecting Shkalim from people in different countries and they have to come, how's it going to get there within a month? It's not, uh, you know, it's not, they didn't have transportation like we have now to do uh, overnight delivery or whatever. What the <coughs> to give they them. had to give, even though they didn't live there, they had to give when there was a the Beit HaMikdash. Yeah. So they. So so. How are we going to collect it from the people who lived out there in time? So it makes sense to do it earlier. In other words, if it's a practical thing, it's a practical thing. We have to give people enough time that they're going to be able to get it there on time. So we should. We should bring it. Uh, we should tell them to announce it earlier. Because <laughs> isn't the whole point? To make sure that all the shkalim come, so we can utilize the shkalim in the proper time at the first of Nissan. So we want everyone to be able to have their money in the coffers of the Beta Hamikdash in time. So uh, Hetiv Rabbi uh, Ullah Ka- now. Notice the Gemara doesn't bother answering that. <laughs> like it just leaves it there, which is very common in Yerushalayim. Just like it doesn't directly pick up like a discussion and go back and forth that much. So it's just like let him say that, and it's like moving on. Now, didn't we learn, although this does connect to what he just said, but not, not directly, meaning they didn't, they didn't directly engage him. They're having a different conversation. So the conversation was that, uh, that Rabbi Ula said in front of Rabbi Mana, didn't we learn? Before the Pesach, before the before Chag, two weeks before pretty much. I mean, 15 days before Pesach, 15 days before uh, Shavuot, 15 days before the Chag. Okay, before uh, Sukkot. In other words, what they did was they would. What really what Trumat Alishka here is not really collecting new money. It means that they would actually t- they would they had the collection of the whole year and for and three times a year they would go and they would take out some money from the big collection and say, okay, this is what we're going to be using for the next quarter or we're going to be using for the next trimester, or whatever. It wasn't that they collected anew, but he's interpreting it that way, that, oh, they had this process of collection three times. And he says, that makes sense then, because we'll say, oh, <speaking in Hebrew> That makes sense. The people who live close, their money gets there two weeks before Pesach. Meaning they could start using it on the first of Nisan. Two weeks before Pesach is first of Nisan. Right and uh, and uh, those who are a little bit further, by shavuot their money gets there. They and those who are even further away, before they could their money doesn't get there until sukkot. Right? they used USPS for uh, their mail. It took uh, to a year. Right, so the point it took six months. So what's the point? Every, so he's saying, look, that's a good proof for what we just said, that, oh, maybe the people in Chutz if, if they wanted to get their money there on time, they would have to be, they'd have to make the announcement early. But they don't make the announcement early is obviously the implication of what he's saying, right? They don't make the announcement early. So what do you see from here? You see that they had three times a year, and probably those three times are for when the later money comes in. Okay, that's how he's interpreting it. He's saying, so they don't have to actually uh, bring it early then. Meaning you don't have to announce it early. Everyone gets an announcement at the same time and the money just comes in in, in waves, right? Amar no, he said, kula kachati ba'a. No, it all comes at the same time. That velama Mubish b'shosh hapachim, why did they make three events where they separated out the money? Not because they they received the money at that time. Kedela lasot pumbi tavar. In order to make a big deal out of it. so Everyone would know, you know, your funds are paying for the Bet HaMikdash function, so people would recognize they have a part in it. But actually, the money did need to get there by the, uh, uh, by the uh, beginning of Nissan. So that would actually go back to what we said before, that maybe indeed he's right, that uh, Rabbi Chizkiah is right, that they should collect from the people in Chizkiah's earlier to make sure that the money gets there in time. That goes back to that. But as you see, it doesn't tie the knots together. It just leaves it there for us to figure out that it's really saying that Rabbi Chizkiah was right. It doesn't really tie the knot together for you in the Yerushalmi. It leaves a lot to your imagination. Now, this is actually a famous Yerushalmi, I think, this part. Rabbi Yehuda Bar Pazi B'Shem Rabbi. Again, it doesn't say Amar. It doesn't bother to say that, right? He said in the name of Rabbi. Rabbi ben Bar Pazi said in the name of Rabbi. Can we read this and not be afraid? L'Tovah. Here's a good example of Jewish behavior. Kol Lev. Right? They each, everyone was so generous. They gave to the Beta Magdash, gave to the Mishkan Lira'ah. But on the other hand, they also gave to the Egel HaZahav. Ask a Jewish philanthropist to give. He'll give to the Palestinian this and he'll give to the Jewish that. He doesn't know the difference. Right? <laughs> uh, Moshe brought the Jewish people out in the morning to, to receive the Torah to Har Sinai. Beautiful thing. but they could also gather together against Moshe Rabbeinu to complain when they want the Maraglim. They wanted to send the Maraglim, and they didn't trust. Uh, they didn't trust that the land was going to be good. Litova, as the Jewish people could sing together after Yamsuf and Liraah also do bad things. But they all cried when the Maraglim came back with the bad report. Right. So the point is that uh, they they have a quality that is neutral. It's like perseverance. Is perseverance good? Well, if you're evil, it's bad. If you're good, if you're, if you're good, then it's positive. If you're evil and you persevere, you, you could be, uh, you're, you'll be like a, a fascist or something like that. I don't know. If you are, if you are good and you persevere, then you'll be uh, doing the wonderful things. It depends what you're persevering in. That's what it's saying. It depends what you're generous to. Don't say, I'm generous. Generous to what? What cause did you give to? You give to a good cause? I saw people saying online, Jewish people saying, I'm vo- voting for joint list in Israel. <laughs> Jewish people. I'm like, like, are you crazy? Okay, vote. There's there's, there's a variety of choices to vote. You know, they have they have more choices than we have here. So they have choices. You could find someone, something. That's, you have to, they're mishukai. Anyway. Moving on. I don't want to get too political, but I think that should be obvious. Now, Amar Rebichia Bar Abba. Bar said, Achen... Right. It said when they get up in the morning, they get that, that's a that's a pasuk from the Navi. Right. He's quoting from the Navi who says they get up in order to destroy. Right. So that's uh, which Navi is it? Stefania? Yeah. It's, it's, it is. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They got up early in the morning, meaning they had a lot of energy. Wow, they're so, they have a lot of energy. You know, they're really when they're going to do something, they're very passionate. They're passionate about what they got up to, to do bad things. You know, so that's the that's the problem. So if they're going to do something bad, they get up early in the morning. Meaning they have a they have like the Jewish people, they're passionate people. It's just passionate for good or bad. That's you know that's not always so clear. It's very famous. You know, they're a very famous line. I think you can't figure out the nature of this people, the Jewish people. Okay? You ask them to give money for the Egel HaZahav, they will give it. Right? Then you ask them to give to the Mishkan, they also give. Right? Anybody who comes to the door for Tzedakah, they give. They don't care. Oh, Egel zahab? Sure. Sounds like a nice idea. You know? They, they give. Yeah. It's also gold. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, uh, what is that? Rabbi Joshua Ben Tan Rabbi Ben is that it? I just have it in Rashi Tevod here. Um, yeah so he says this is what the, the, he taught the following V'asita kapor you make a kapora, the covering for the uh, for the ark which was pure gold uh, right so that's almost like showing you the same thing in other words the, that passion that they put into the Egel that they gave gold now they gave gold to the Mishkan so it's like a kapara for the gold that they gave to the, uh, to, the to the Egel Rabbi Chagai, b'shem Rab, uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Nathan, is it probably Nachman. oh Nachman okay Shalom it doesn't Tell me here. Oh, Rabbi Shmuel Benachman. Okay, yeah, we know him. They don't give you much help here with the names, you know. They just put uh, letters, right? There are three trumot mentioned in the parasha in the beginning of the uh, uh, of the parasha tuma. What shkalim? the mishkan? One was the giving of the sockets that they fit the uh, the boards of the mishkan together. And one was for the Chuma of the uh of the Mishkan itself and one was for the Chuma of the Shkali. Uh so it says the first thing that Hashem uh, told them to get was the truma for the, to, the to, con, to give the medal that was going to make the sockets on the bottom. When he said, every person who has a generous heart, you know, whose, whose heart moves him, should, uh, you should take my chuma from them. That's the shkalim that they gave. And then when it talked about the different materials, that was the truma for the mishkan. So there were three things. There was the money that went for the operational budget, basically. In other words, there was the sockets. That was the adanim. Then there was an the operational budget, which was the shkalim. Which actually they could fix. We'll see later in the masechet they could fix at a different amount than shekel if they wanted to. That just had to be the same for everybody. Just had to be the same for everybody, but they could fix the the shekel and then uh, and then chumat the mishkan. The mishkan mashir Tuyasu, yasu. Right? They would they would give. Uh, so when it comes to the mishkan mashir Tuyasu yasu, they would give. Uh, whatever they wanted. In other words, whatever they could give in terms of materials. the They also could do whatever they wanted. But it had to be that everyone was the same. In other words, they had to make the same amount for everybody. It didn't have to be machatzit ashekel. It could be more, but it had to be uh, the same for everybody for that, for the shkalim. So that no person could say the Korban of the people belongs more to me than anybody else. Nobody could say the Korban of the the of the community is more mine than someone else. That way it has to be even, everyone even. But, uh, but still they could change the number. Adanim la adanim, heashiloy yerbev adaloy yamit. When it came to the, uh, it, that was a fixed amount what they took for the adanim for the sockets, um, and uh, even if you were the rich or poor, no matter what the economic situation was, the same. I'm Rabbi Avun. Av parasha azot ne marba gimel trumot machatzit hashekel trumal trumal Hashem yitain trumat Hashem. And Latetet Trumot Hashem, it also says in the Parashav Machatzit HaShekel, these three Trumot, in other words, there were three Trumot that were given, Three, one was for the physical Mishkan, you could say, one was for the operational uh, budget, um, and uh, and and then, you know, one was the, uh, and one was for the other materials that were needed, not for, not for the metal itself to be used in the Mishkan, but for the other materials that were going to be needed for the Mishkan. That was another uh, tr- uh, contribution they made. On the 15th of Adar, we read the Megillah in the cities. Um Amar Rabbi Chilbo, Rav Huna, Rav Rabbi... Rebbe Chia Rabbeinu, right? Hakol yeah. yotin This is on the previous Amud, but really belongs here. Everybody fulfills the mitzvah on the fourteenth of Adar if they read on the fourteenth of Adar, right? Bo lo ba la medcha shakol ha mitzvot anu agod sheni rishon. It's just to tell you that any mitzvah that is done in Adar sheni, we don't do it also in Adar rishon. We only do it. <inaudible> that only makes sense in the past. Meaning, if Bidiavad, if the people who lived in the walled cities, they read the Megillah on the 14th, um, and then for some reason they couldn't read it on the 15th, okay, so it makes sense to say they fulfilled the Mitzvah Bidiavad, but Labalo, but meaning to tell them that, oh, you, since you read it on the 14th, you don't need to do it on the 15th, that's bad because that's going to undermine the whole idea that they're supposed to read on the 15th. And you're going to undermine, right? So it says, But didn't we learn, We learned that there's some places that they read it two days. Why did they read it two days? In places that it was a safik, whether it was walled in the times of Yoshua bin and they read it twice. So if it's true that you fulfilled the mitzvah just on the 14th, even even ahead of time, you know that you could fulfill it on the fourteenth. So why bother reading it also on the fifteenth? Obviously, that's not true. That's only bidiyavad In a bidiyavad situation, we could say that since most people read it on the fourteenth, we'll say that you you read it on the fourteenth. You covered, but it, but we're not going to tell a person lechatchila ahead of time. Just read it on the fourteenth and don't read it on the fifteenth, because you see from here that uh, that they had to do it over again on the fifteenth just to be sure. So it wasn't enough to read it only on the fourteenth. So, it, so he says, Amale said to him, "Of Anna Savorkin." I also agree with that, right? So he says, Amar Rabbi Mana and it makes sense. He said that if the if you tell the person. Who read it on the fourteenth, right? That he doesn't have to go back and read it again on the fifteenth. So basically, you're going to uproot the whole idea of reading on the fifteenth. That's what he's saying. So, so lichat we would never say that a person can read it on the fourteenth and doesn't have to bother reading it on the fifteenth um, in the uh, in in the walled cities. We wouldn't say that. But b'diavad, it could be in a situation where there was no uh, where there was no other recourse that if they had read it on the fourteenth, we wouldn't require them to go back and read it on the fifteenth again. We would say they, that they fulfilled the mitzvah. But in advance, we would never say that go ahead and, and, uh, and, and read it on the 14th or, uh, and if they did read it on the 14th we would tell them you have to read it again on the 15th unless there's some circumstance that you know, prevents them from doing so such as uh, I mean this year they, they, they read it on the 14th also because of, of Shabbat because it be, could be other circumstances like that but basically we don't say that they could read it on the 14th and, and fulfill we only say that in certain circumstances we give them credit for fulfilling the mitzvah on the 14th of Adar so we'll continue from here tomorrow